Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the text that was read from John chapter 20? Before we read, please pray with me. And now, Father, we come to your word as you have commanded us to. Assemble the people that they might hear my word. We are assembled here, whether we speak, whether we sit, to hear the voice of God. We do pray that the Spirit whom you have given to teach us the things of God will indeed be in our midst as the author and the director and the revealer of your truth, so that hearts may leave this place knowing that there has been a spiritual encounter for our good and the glory of God. In Christ's name, amen. A few weeks ago, the famous basketball player Steph Curry came out and said that he didn't believe that man really landed on the moon. He had to retract that statement the day after. I have a couple of relatives of my own living in Chicago. I never talk about the moonwalk with them because they don't believe that man actually landed on the moon. As I think of that, I think of the resurrection. We treat the resurrection the same way we treat Christmas. At the end of the day, what do we do? We put it into mothballs until next April or March, whatever month it will be, as we do with Christmas. Uh, when I first got married, my, I told my wife, why take the Christmas lights down? Christmas is coming in 12 months. Don't have to do the same thing twice, you know? Um, it's there, so we just, we just do it. And what I want to think on for the next few minutes is eight days after, eight days after, eight days after a dramatic difference took place in the life of one man that led to the dramatic change in the world. The fact of the resurrection was the fact, but the effects of the resurrection was not seen until afterwards. And this is what I want us to go through this morning because Jesus teaches us something from this text that I think we need to know so that we will not make the same mistake as Steph Curry and others have made when the evidences are there. So this morning I want to share with you as we think of Thomas. You know, Thomas was called Doubting Thomas. And that's a very interesting uh, phrase to give to Thomas. But you will see that Thomas was not simply a doubter. Thomas was a man who wanted to think with his mind as well as his heart. He wanted to have substance for what he believed, for what he thought about, not simply an emotional carrying away with it, because of course, the resurrection, they were actually accused of Jesus only being raised spiritually. He was not really raised physically. And so, Thomas was saying something that I think we still suffer from today, and that is unbelief in miracles as such. Let's look first of all at what I call the doubt, the doubt expressed. The doubt expressed. 
resurrection evening, Jesus met with the disciples, and he revealed himself to them. Thomas was not there. Why he wasn't there, we're not told. It could be, it could be that Thomas was still having troubles believing what he was told. Because every disciple was told that Christ would die and that he would be raised on the third day. You will see what the others were doing in the upper room. The text tells us that they were there, cowering behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jews. Isn't it interesting? I don't even think they were thinking of the resurrection. They were afraid of the Jews. And all of a sudden, something happened. What they didn't expect took place. The way in which it which took place stunned them. Jesus appeared without the doors being opened. I can imagine why he had to say, peace be still. Because if I'm in a room with closed doors, and all of a sudden someone appears, I'm not going to say, hi, how are you? I am going to be stunned. And so Jesus relieved them of their anxiety after he appeared to them. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. Sometime after this, we're not told when, the disciples met Thomas and said, guess what? We saw the Lord. And Thomas said, what was read this morning? Unless I can see his hands and feel his side, I won't believe. I won't believe. I need evidence. I am not just going to take your word. Please listen. I'm not even going to take his word. He has to come and prove himself to me. That's implied in what Thomas said. That's just like the modern mind, is it not? The modern mind still deal with nothing can be miraculous in this world of technology because everything that can happen, we know why and we know how and we know when. My favorite verses, the Old Testament, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed are for us and for our children. But you know what we say? It's true that the secret things belong to God, but just give us time. We are going to find out how. We are going to be able to investigate. We're going to be able to, 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 to go into some means. Technology is going to give to us. Look at what it has done. But my friends, you see what Jesus is dealing with here. He's not dealing with electronics. He's dealing with life. He's dealing with how people live and how people die and how people face the future and how people face each day. We might have things by, by means of our brains to deal with those things, but they do not cure what makes the, I, I heard someone debating the other day how, you know, technology has done so much for us, the internet, tweeting and Twitter, but it seems to have more capacity for bad than it has for good. 
That's not my words. That's someone on the radio. I don't know if it is true or not. What Thomas is saying then, unless I see, unless I can actually, with perception, put two and two together mentally, intellectually, and spiritually, I won't believe. Because belief needs more than what someone says. It needs evidence. You must be able to show. And this text is as sacred and simple as it is profound. Because eight days later, eight days later, if you look at the text, Jesus appears again and immediately he says, peace be still, but he turned to Thomas as if he heard what Thomas said even though he wasn't there when he said it. Immediately he turned to Thomas and he said, you want to see? Here. You want to feel? Look. And, and Thomas immediately expressed something that satisfied his mind and his heart together. My Lord and my God. Now I want to show you something. Jesus showed him his hands and his side and he believed. Now I want to take your attention to Acts chapter 20, uh, I'm sorry, Luke, uh, John chapter 20, and look with me at verse 20. Just across the page. So when it was evening, on that day, resurrection day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, and the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be still. What does verse 20 say? He showed them precisely what Thomas wanted to see. So Thomas was not the only one who needed to see. The rest of the disciples needed to see. And Jesus showed them. So when they said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord, they were telling eyewitnesses what really took place. This is eight days after now. Eight days after. And Thomas said, not knowing if this had happened, I want to see first. But my friends, the disciples, the rest of the disciples wanted exactly what Thomas wanted. And so do you and so do I. You know, it's interesting to me as I did my studies, one of the things that's usually said about the generation that believed in the resurrection, that they were simple-minded people who did not have the capacity to think intellectually. Ladies and gentlemen, not one of the disciples believed that Jesus was able to be raised from the dead. The ladies that went to the tomb that morning did not go to celebrate the resurrection. They went to anoint a dead body. <laughs> so to think that those people just were so gullible that they just took it because it, the, the Bible said it, no, not true, none at all. They had to go through the same mental gymnastics, the intellectual gymnastics that you and I go through. How can someone be raised from the dead if they're dead? We shall see in a minute how this happened. So there was the doubts expressed and there was the expiration of the doubt when Jesus appeared and showed them the signs they believed, 
and doubt vanished. It vanished. Because the only thing, my friends, that can deal with the problem of doubt is the evidence that contradicts it. And Jesus showed himself to be alive. If he were dead, you and I would not be here this morning. We would not be worshiping a dead Christ who made promises he could not keep. We would not believe in a God who said he would raise his son on the third day and didn't do it. We need to have evidence. We need to be able to say, here is chapter and verse for what you're talking about. And so in John 20, 26 to 28, Jesus accommodated not only Thomas, he had accommodated the disciples before, and he accommodates you and me today only in a different way, but with the same result. The resurrection is intellectually credible because it is based upon historical evidence that was seen and proven by those who exist in his day. So what Thomas, what Thomas was to believe in by seeing, you and I believe, and therefore we have the same results as Thomas. He needed to see in order to believe. We believe in order to see. That's, that's the economy of Scripture. Jesus said, many other things were, were done, but these are written that you might believe. Why do you believe? Because the evidence of those who saw with their eyes were written for you and I to have today so that we believe exactly what they believed. <laughs> I, I mentioned to this, the uh, sunrise service, when, when Lois and I were in Jerusalem and we went to the garden tomb and I, I stood there and I looked out and I bent over trying to be Peter, uh, uh, John. Peter just ran in, but John looked in and I tried to see what it was like in there, what they may have seen. And I, I, I thought, wow, this is really great. There, there, was, there was a sense of, of solemnity. May I use that word? There was something tremendously, if you please, awesome about that. <laughs> Hate to use that term. <laughs> awesome. But please listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It was not the empty tomb that convinced me that Jesus was raised. You know what did? The scriptures. That's what he said before it happened. So what the empty tomb did for me, it validated the scriptures. Ah, the reason the tomb is empty is because God promised it. He has kept his word and therefore Christ is risen. This makes all the difference in the world. We have something we can believe because we have the proof that what it has promised us, it will take place. You see, after that now, we're going to have a whole new world. We're going to have a world that is based upon a miracle, an ongoing miracle that has effects until Jesus returns again. So quickly, go with me then from what 
we notice the resurrection confronting unbelief, doubts, to the resurrection dealing with the courage because of it. The courage because of the resurrection. All this is taking place, my friends, eight days after. In fact, more than that, 40 days in some, in some cases. So you see, it's not that they put the resurrection in mothballs. As a result of, of the resurrection, from that time, the death, the disciples who were AWOL, who were um, absent without leave, and on the resurrection evening, they are upstairs huddling with one another, comforting each other. I don't know if they were crying or not. They were silenced by the rest of society. They were afraid. And Acts tells us that after the resurrection, Jesus met with his disciples, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, for 40 days. For 40 days, the resurrection was not to be put in mothballs. For 40 days he met with the disciples, instructing them concerning the kingdom which follows the resurrection. And he shared with them proofs that he was alive. He came through walls. He ate breakfast with them. He met with them and showed them his hands. Many infallible proofs. Proofs that cannot be refuted by any. Do you know, my friends, that when the Apostle Paul is writing about the resurrection, it is less than three years after Jesus died. But after three days, if Jesus, if Jesus had been in the tomb, don't you think that those who said he wasn't alive, that he was still dead could go to the grave? They knew where he was buried. They could go and prove. That body is still in there. Move the stone. We put the stone there. We can move it. But nobody went back. Nobody went back to see if it were so. The only people who dealt with the resurrection were those who saw him, who had the evidence. And after that, after that, we see the disciples afraid. But after that, Peter, who was afraid of a young lady who said to him, Aren't you one of his disciples? He said, no, I'm not. You, you sound like one of... No, and Peter, the scripture says, he cursed so that he would not be confronted with his identity with Christ. But what do we find in Acts chapter 2? The disciples are accused of being drunk early in the morning. And Peter stood before them. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea. Peter, who was afraid of a little girl, is now standing before the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the skeptics in his day. And he addressed them with courage, with confidence, with certainty. Let, let me, I won't do any more. I, I can't pronounce the guy's name. He's a Japanese guy. His last name is Indo, Indo, I-N-D-O. Listen, listen to what he wrote. What changed the disciples? Where did that change come from? 
if you don't believe in the resurrection, you will have to be forced to believe that something hit the disciples that was so amazing that it changed their entire idea of life. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you've got to believe that something happened because they're not the same people. They're no more afraid. They're standing in the midst of society and they can speak the word concerning this thing that people find so hard to believe, the resurrection. You are forced that some electrifying intensity if you try to explain the change of life of the early Christians, we may find ourselves making a leap of faith as if we believed in the resurrection. <laughs> if, if, if no resurrection took place, what is it that caused them to change? What is it that caused Peter to stand up the courage was based upon the certainty of the resurrection. The courage was based upon the fact that they were eyewitnesses. The courage says, John, they killed him, but he's alive. We saw him. The courage, says Thomas, caused me to realize his deity, his divinity. And John, uh, um, Thomas left Jerusalem and went as a missionary to India. One of the churches that he founded in India, we used to drive by it in Toronto all the time, the Maratoma Church, was founded by Thomas, who didn't believe, but the courage not only to leave his homeland, not only to go to India, but listen, but willing to have his head cut off his body because of the resurrection. My friends, you don't die for a lie. You kill for it, but not you don't die for it. Thomas, courage. And I suppose that one reason you and I find it so hard to talk about Christ is because we're not certain of the things we believe. We, we, we're not, we, don't, we don't have enough confidence in it. <laughs> you know, I took my, uh, took the vehicle. We were having some problems. Our, our um, GMC with air condition. And, and I, 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 I went to my, my, um, the people who took, take care of things of like that nature. And, and I said, um, th th something is wrong with the air condition. I said, I think it's still under warranty. I think. I wasn't certain. Because you see, my experience before is that whenever you take something to a, them and you say it's under warranty, what, guess what they say? This isn't under warranty. <laughs> so I, I really, I really, I was scared. So, so I left the vehicle. I left the vehicle. Gave them my number where they could reach me. And, and they did reach me. When the phone rang and I saw that it was from Capital Chevrolet, I thought, oh boy. 
my, my heart. I was sitting at my desk doing some work, and I answered very gingerly. Hello? Is this Mr. Thurton? I, I, wanted, I wanted to say what Chuck Swindell did to James Dobson when Chuck Swindell went to buy a motorcycle. He likes motorcycles. And as he was walking into the store, he thought, oh my, what will people think if they see me buying a motorcycle? So Chuck Swindell tell the story himself. He said he walked into the store and a man greeted him. Hello, I'm Mr. Smith. And Chuck Swindell said, hello, I'm James Dobson. <laughs> I wanted to say something else, you know. He said, it's covered. Oh, boy. Oh, celebration. <laughs> you know, I didn't have the confidence, even though I paid for it. My friends, the confidence we can have in our witness eight days after the resurrection and beyond it's because it has been paid for. The grave is empty. That empty tomb should generate energy and courage in us that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because whoever call upon his name who believe that he was raised from the dead shall be saved. Courage. 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 Before the cross, courage because of the resurrection. Listen, just very briefly, in Acts chapter 4, 18 to 20, Peter is told, don't speak this name about resurrection anymore. And Peter said this, I don't know what you mean by me not having to speak this name anymore, but I want you to know, I want you to know that we cannot help but talk. We cannot help but preach about what we have seen and what we have heard. What we have seen. We have seen Him. You cannot take that away from me. This is eight days after. This is ten days after. This is forty days after. The resurrection is still fresh in their minds and they're still excited about it and Peter said we have seen it and you cannot silence us because it is real it is real 40 days after the resurrection he talked with us he shared with us he instructed us we are just we are just full to the brim and our spiritual cup is running over the reality of the resurrection was displayed by the conviction and the courage of the disciples. Lastly, communication from the resurrected. Now we have been talking about the resurrection. We've been talking about Jesus being raised. But now we want to know, is there any proof that he still speaks? Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. We look at the apostle Paul. And he was on the road to Damascus. His mission to Damascus was to kill, murder, crucify any Christian he found, young or old, men or women. Didn't matter. Listen to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from the synagogue at Damascus so that he 
that he found any belonging to the way, as Christianity was called, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That's what he was on the way to Damascus to do. And halfway to Damascus, the text tells us that he heard a voice from heaven and he said, who are you, sir? That's the first way that word Lord is used, sir. And then Jesus answered, I am Jesus whom you are crucifying, persecuting. I, here's the voice of the resurrected. He, he speaks and identify himself so that none, you know, the Da Vinci Code says that the body of Jesus was found and is somewhere lying in a tomb in, in Italy somewhere. Again, I keep thinking of the words of Malcolm Mugridge, we have educated ourselves into imbecility. You, you think that if Jesus' body was in the tomb or in Italy that that CBS wouldn't take a crew there to find it? They would. Because we want to prove that the resurrection never took place. But here we have now Paul. Saul as he was called. Listen, listen to what he says. In, in, in validating this, he said, I went to Jerusalem after I became a believer. And I spoke to James and Peter, and I told them how I had seen the Lord, the same Savior that they saw, because Jesus appeared to James and to Peter after his resurrection. And now he said, Paul is saying, here's one who comes later, and he said, the Lord who was raised from the dead you saw him, and I have seen him. Me, one who, who's almost like one born out of time, but I have seen him. I have heard him. Jesus is alive. You know, one of the most interesting things, remember when Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen was being martyred, and they're stoning him, and Stephen said, I looked up, and I saw heaven open and Jesus standing. The only place in the New Testament in heaven where Jesus stands. Every other place he's seated because his work is finished. But he stood, as it were, to welcome Stephen. Welcome home. This is what it is all about. He's alive. And my friends... When we hear other things, as I have been this whole week dealing with this, shut them out and say what faith says. He's alive. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives not only in my heart, he lives because the scripture says he's alive. And when I go to prayer, I do not pray to an image I make for myself. When I go to prayer, I go to someone who is there, who is there, who hears me, who cares for me. On the mission to Damascus, Saul 
became Paul. Because Jesus is alive. And I close with the message from Damascus. The message from Damascus. Acts chapter 9, verses 27, 28. When Peter, when Paul went to Jerusalem to meet with some of the disciples, they would not, they would not admit him in. All they knew that he was on the way to persecuting Christians. But Stephen took him aside. And Stephen was, was given in a private way what Saul experienced in Damascus. And so he took him back and he said to them, listen, this man, this man is a believer as we are because on Damascus he was going, he met the risen Lord and he has been speaking about the resurrection since that time. There, there, there he, was. he was going to kill Christians who believe in the resurrection. He became a believer, and what was his message? The resurrection. The message of, of, of Paul in Damascus, while he was still there and when he came to Jerusalem, the message was the resurrection of Jesus. And then he closes with what I call the sovereignty of his message. Verse 29, he spoke in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, 27, 28, he spoke of this, the, 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 the name of the Lord. On the one hand, of Jesus is his earthly life and ministry. Lord, kurios, is the word that speaks of his exaltation and his reign in heaven. In the name of the Lord. Acts 2, 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel and the whole creation know that God has raised Christ from the dead and made him Lord and Christ. So that Acts chapter, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. My friends, what the disciples saw is what we believe because it is recorded for us in the scriptures. And when we believe, we have the same experience as did Paul. He changed our lives. He changes our lives. He gives us a mission, and he causes us to walk not only as a community, but beyond the community into the world to say, I have seen him. I have known him. And he walks with me. You can't see him because Jesus only reveals himself to those who believe in him. Because I have seen him, I can tell you that he's alive. Eight days after, up into the 21st century, because he's alive, the story continues. And may he change some life in here this morning who will believe, whose doubt will expire because they would have heard that the empty tomb is not the proof. The empty tomb is the evidence, but the proof is the scripture because he promised that he would be raised from the dead. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, help us to believe this morning even what Jesus said to Thomas. Put forth your hands and stop disbelieving. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God will destroy doubts about the resurrection and the person of Jesus Christ if there are those in here who are still struggling 
with whether it is true or not. May the Spirit make it real. And Father, I pray that we will leave this place with fresh courage as a church to make known in Lebanon, in Salem, in Kaiser, in Seattle, wherever we will go this week, may people know that Jesus is alive, that we are on a mission for him and from him for his glory. Amen.